Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I'm your host, Mike Small, along with our producer, Robbie Pito, who will be jumping in a little bit today. Peter Vesey, the Hall of Fame NBA writer, is going to be joining us today. We're going to talk about his history with Philadelphia. Julius Irving was actually the best man in his wedding. He has a long, contentious relationship with Charles Barkley and is very close to the Iverson family. We'll talk to him a little bit about NBA free agency as well as a bunch of other things. But first, let me introduce our producer, Robbie Pito. Robbie, you looking forward to this one today? I am. Got to do a little bit of research on uh, Peter and guys had uh, quite a career with the NBA. Well, this is going to be tough for you because I know you're a LeBron guy and I think Peter's probably going to tell us he he has Jordan above LeBron, but we'll make sure to ask him. So uh, I hope you're ready for that. Yeah, I'm ready. I'll be uh, I'll be ready to back up my side of the argument. Well, let's not start an argument with our guest before he gets here. So without further ado, the great Peter Vesey. Okay, everybody, as promised, the great Peter Vesey is joining us here on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. Peter is Peter is basically my guy when it comes to the NBA. When I was growing up, I watched Peter on NBC and TNT. Everything, I'll tell you what, I, I told him this story beforehand. I covered the 1991 NBA draft for a Charlotte radio station. And my boss at the time said, don't pay attention to what anybody's saying. Just watch Vessi and read what he says and try to find out what he's thinking because that's what's going on. Peter's been retired for about 12 years, but still has a pretty prominent NBA voice. He broke the LeBron going to L.A. story long before anybody else. And without further ado, welcome to the great Peter Vessi. Thank you. Thank you. I correct you. Uh, seven years retired. And as far as the LeBron story goes, it was I, I did it. A year before, I guaranteed the Lakers. And, you know, guys like Broussard on Fox, you know, you went on and was like, well, oh, you know, no, 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 no way, nobody knows that, you know. Could happen, but no, no, he just, no. you know. And then when it happened, you know, no apologies from Chris Broussard or, or you know, compliments from, from just about nobody. Um, so it, it's an amazing business. Uh, a very insecure, unprofessional business that uh, people would, would steal stuff for you from you <laughs> as their own, uh, and on the other hand, won't won't give you the and, and, and won't give you the, the props when when things happen. But you know, Twitter was supposed to end all that because now you have timelines, but they still do it. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm really glad I don't have to deal with much of what's going on well the business has changed quite a bit i i I love to see buster only fighting with uh john Heyman about who broke which baseball story first and it must it must kill you to to see that stephen a smith and max kellerman and skip bayless have have a platform to just make crap up and and you know they get credit and millions of dollars for it i don't know how much credit they get i mean i you know i don't know how much they get right but um, yeah, it's not, not important. Their, you know, the job of people who are doing these shows these days for many years now is just say something as stupid as you can. You know, they start they learn from Barkley, and and uh, and then just go with it. Let people argue with you and swear at you and stuff. And, they, and you know, their bosses, the networks, the networks, they uh, <laughs> they eat it up. They eat it up. They say, yeah, you know, Stephen A. 
you today, I hate to say, was we're from the same town in Queens, Hollis, Hollis Queens. And, um, you know, he got into the business and he used to, you know, really, really give me, you know, many, many compliments when he worked at the Daily News and I was at the Post. You know, I tried to tried to guide him. But then, but then you know, he, he, he came up with his own shtick. And again, I tried to see, I don't know, man, you know, like, you're acting like a buffoon. <laughs> and, then they, and then they pay him for it. And I just, I just cut him loose. And it was just like, they told me, they told me when he worked for the Philadelphia, I think it was the Inquirer. Yes. They said when he wrote, when he wrote columns, or stories, I guess columns, they said, you cannot believe how, how they have to rewrite that stuff. Wow. And I said, wait a minute. I said, I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I listen to him talk. I believe it, but I'm not here to knock Stephen A. You know, he's he's making you know a fortune, and um, you know. Uh, well, I love how you threw out uh, networks for the networks. Your your nicknames have been famous. People might want to know that you made up the name Larry Legend, which is the greatest nickname my, of all time. Yeah, my absolutely. I'm glad you said that first because. The one I'm most proud of. Can I give you my favorite? My favorite John. is uh, there was John Hot Rod Williams, and you called the uh, heavier set John Williams Hot John Hot Plate Williams. Right. That and was I my favorite. Obviously played off Hot Rod and, uh, and made it Hot Plate. And uh, I remember being accosted in L.A. because that's where he's from. His friends like you know wanted a piece of me because they said I was responsible for him almost committing suicide. I said, oh, wow. I said, well, you should start running suicide. Wow. Anyway, let me say Larry Legend. If I had trademarked Larry Legend, I, I would be very, very rich. All the hats and shirts up in you know, Boston and everywhere. You know, I, you know, I wasn't as smart as Pat Riley with three Pete. Yeah, he made a lot of money on that. A lot of my nicknames I should have. You know, it just, you didn't do those things in those days. You didn't even think of it. I never thought of it anyway. And, um, you know, that there were many of them I I wish uh, they'd done. But what are you going to do? You know, one thing that I wanted to ask you about as well is uh, one of the things that drives me crazy is the sideline reporters these days. Now, I remember when you were a sideline reporter. Um, no, I actually, I actually never was. But go on. Well, I mean, you would you would still be the guy that grabs somebody, you know, right after a loss or a win, and and at least ask them an intelligent question. Not, I've never heard you say, "How does it feel?" Um, do you want? <laughs> how about how about can you talk about this? Yeah, how about that one? But um, obviously, the most famous one was Carl Malone after the nineteen ninety eight finals. Do you want to? Can you recall that one? Well, I, I do recall it because a lot of people have brought it up over the last you know, five, six years. My son, my youngest son, was the first to say, hey, boy, that's that Malone interview. Whoa. My, my youngest son's 31, so you know, how old was he in 98? He was 11. But um, I, when they brought it up, I mean, of course I remember doing it. And uh, Carl and I, had, I had done many, not many, but I, I had done a few long interviews with Carl, and he was excellent you know he would answer anything and unlike john stockton who wouldn't answer anything 
Um, I, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but I remember going out to Salt Lake City to interview Stockton for an NBC halftime feature. And, uh, you know, we get into it, and I, you know, I'm all on a plane out to Utah, and I go back, and I'm interviewing John, and he's giving me nothing. And I stopped the camera, and I said, hey, John, I flew out here from, from New York. I said, you're just, you're just going to answer these questions like, like, you know, you have nothing to say, you can't give me anything? And he, he said, okay. So he turned it on, and he ended, ended up giving me a good interview. So, so with Malone, I, I felt I could ask him anything. He was going to answer it. And uh, I'm not saying I liked him. I'm not saying he liked me. But I, I, I wasn't afraid to ask him anything because we had a relationship. So um, so when people showed it to me, they said, yeah, I guess he's trying to get punched. I, I didn't remember asking the kind of questions that would get me punched. I, when I walked away from that interview, I didn't say, you know, Phew, he didn't punch me. I, I swear, I, I didn't. I didn't think I was asking anything controversial. I was just asking him rational questions, and uh, and I talked to him about that a few years ago. I saw him at the All Star Game. You know, he says I didn't. I didn't care what you asked me. He always asked me tough stuff. So I told him, I said, Yeah, you know, Carl. The way people are talking now, I said, You and I should do a radio show together. He says, Well, call me. You know where to reach me. He'll drive over in one of his uh, semi trucks, right? Yeah, I mean, or I'd, yeah, or I'd fly into Salt Lake. I think he still lives there. I think he does. What, um, yeah. you know, what, around here in Philadelphia, we're all, uh, you know, Charles Barkley still has a, a pretty big voice. I know that you and Charles have gone back and forth over the years. Can you talk about how that started and and where, you know, if you've talked to him since then? I know you guys worked together a little bit on TNT, and you've gone back and forth. Um, can you can you uh, hit that a little bit? Yeah, I mean it's gotten ugly over the years. Yeah, question. but it, but it was ugly at different times when he was uh, when he was in Phoenix. Um, I, I would blast him for stuff, and I, I spent a lot of time in Phoenix. That's where I'm now living. I, I loved it out here, and I was I believe in those early days in Phoenix. Yeah, he was. You know, I was working at USA Today, so I would I would hit him in the paper in USA Today, and I and. Uh, I'd have a breakfast in my room. I'd have my wife and kids with me. And uh, I'd come to the room with the breakfast. He, he, he had the USA Today. No, no, he'd have, he'd have the Arizona paper. <laughs> and Barkley would answer me in, in the paper. And that, like, that went on like every day. Like, I'd go after him, he would answer me. And, uh, you know, I, I just never respected, I never respected, still don't respect the fact that he never took care of his body. Uh, he was always out of shape. Uh, he didn't. He didn't work hard, and um, his teammates. You know, uh, his key teammate, Kevin Johnson. You know, they. they he loathed them for that. AC Green and, and Kevin Johnson once went to Jerry Colangelo and asked to tra- for them to trade Barkley. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah, and, and so you know, I'm. I'm. I'm not spouting. You know, just my observations. I'm listening to what the players are saying. And for years and years, he and Kevin Johnson didn't get along. He knew, he knew what happened. And, um, you know, and then they made up. And I, I just hate people who make up like that because it's all bullshit. You know, they should say, I carry my grudges into the year after. So these guys are like, oh, you know, he's going to have a ring, his nickname in the ring of honor, you know, so we got to make up. And oh, please. So, you know, it's like it's like Isaiah and Magic making up on which I, I couldn't watch. Wasn't that disgusting? No, I didn't watch it. I couldn't watch it because I know 
you've got the two biggest hypocrites in, in basketball telling each other how much they love each other, I'm sure. So, like, are you kidding me? And then, what was the other one? A few of them on there were like, you, you people, like, they'll, they'll do anything. Well, Kobe and Shaq, that was that was Kobe a little bit Shaq, painful. Bullshit, yeah. And um, so, so uh, where were we? So Barkley, so Barkley, uh, the biggest thing I got after him in Phoenix was the, the two years that Phoenix won the first two games of their their, their uh, series playoff series with Houston. The first one they won two on the road. They won two in Houston. Coming back, coming back to Phoenix, up two zero. And Barkley's out, you know, all night. And he's got Marley with him. And, you know, and, and so, you know, I'm not going to say what they were doing, but they were doing it. And, and um, they lost they lost the series. And then the next series, the next next time they met the following year, Houston, Houston uh, they, they beat Phoenix. Phoenix beat Houston twice in a row. In Phoenix, they lose the series. Wow. So I was thinking, wow, I mean, this guy. And, you know, it's like everybody forgets. Charles, you know, he's funny. He's not even funny. He's got, he's got nothing to say that I, that I, he's never, well, there, there are a couple of times he, he makes mistakes and says something that, that might be funny or, <laughs> or, or, or uh, correct. So when we worked together, and you know, and we mended our friends, you know, he came to me one time. He said, man, you know, me and Maureen, his wife, you know, me and Maureen, you know, we laugh at what you write. We don't, you know, we don't hate you, you know, blah, blah, blah make up for a while and I, you know but I don't play that game so it's like if I if I see something to go after I'll go after him and then when we worked on TV um, oh no there was, was one other better one it was like so during that I think it was the 93 series I think it was the night it had to be had to, yeah it was the 93 finals with the Bulls and, and I'm in Chicago with um, with all my NBC people and we're at a bar and uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's you know, it's crowded as hell, and uh, you're banging on the on the window outside. You know, that was looking. It's, Bar- it's Barkley. <laughs> so he's coming in. So I'm coming in. So my friends are going. Okay, you know, we will fight as much as we can. We will stand by you. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, we thought there, we thought there was going to be a problem. He came in. He says, "Let, let me buy you a beer." So it's kind of interesting. Um, and then we worked on TNT together. We actually had the same agent. And I'd been there, I believe, three years before he showed up. And uh, we were working TBS and TNT. And uh, I, I go down there for two two days, and I think there was a day in between, so three days. And, uh, you know, we started out poorly and, uh, you know, insulting each other. <laughs> And um, and I have the and I know he has the same thing. We have the producer, that guy named Kylie, in our ears, saying, "You're gonna let him get away with that? You're gonna let him? You you?" Oh, so they tried to uh, make it like a Kardashian show, huh? Not tried. I mean, they they went out of their way to instigate and infuriate, and uh, and so I, I got angry because. I'm showing up there prepared. I'm coming in with stuff that I, I want to say about what's going on in the league. I had my own little segment. And um, he's just talking out of his ass. And um, so I went to the boss 
who's the new boss. He was the guy who hired me, and this was my biggest mistake ever. I will say it was a mistake. And I said, look, you know, I, I'd appreciate if I worked the other studio, you know, the other day. Uh, I said, I, I'm here. I'm here to educate. And, uh, you know, he's, he's here to abuse substance. So um, that was basically the end of me. Well, we still hear from you, and I'm glad you're on Twitter because you still have very relevant opinions. And one of them I want to get into, um, you know, as we head into NBA free agency here in Philadelphia, we're very focused on, obviously, the Jimmy Butler situation. And what, one of the things that was reported, you know, over the last two days is that Houston is is trying to clear cap space, and they're trying to get, you know, all this stuff going to try to sign Jimmy Butler, and then there's a sign-and-trade so I guess the no tampering thing is a bunch of crap, huh? Well, first of all, God knows if it's true. Do you? Yeah. Well, well, let me let let's start there. I don't know if it's true. Do you? Uh, do you? Do you believe in Woj? Do you think he's got the sources that you had, and do you feel well, like he's the best there is him, now? I don't. I, I don't. Uh, he had something the other day that was. What was it? It was. Um, he, during the finals, he, he came out and said that the Wizards were preparing a contract for a Masai. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so, oh boy, you know, and then the owner had to come out and said absolutely untrue. And uh, no, we're not, we're not going after him. And, you know, we apologized for them thinking that we were going after him. He's in the finals for Christ. So, is Wojo was right? No. But when he's wrong... Did anybody say one word? Nope. No. So the difference between me and me and Woj is that he breaks everything that people are going to find out about five minutes from now or an hour from now. That's what he does, and he does he does that by what do I call it? Um, oh man, I call it the uh, the. I call it the information protection racket. And that's what he's running. He's he's taking care of people by telling everybody how great they are to get them promoted, to get them, you know, hired, whatever. And, so that's uh, how he builds his uh, his network. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how he does it. And he won't go after anybody that takes care of him. And uh, when things when things do go awry, you know, with his sources He'll ignore it. Wow. So I have no respect for Walsh. I did in the beginning, but then I then I started watching what he's doing. And so he breaks everything that's going to come out. I broke everything that nobody wanted to come out. Who do you respect right now in journalism? Oh, you got to say something about that because that's that's a hell of a distinction. I mean, understand that distinction. Well, I mean, seriously, it's like <laughs> I'm breaking guns in the locker room, and, and, and you know, with the Wizards, I'm breaking. You know, uh, Spreewell, Carlissimo getting into it at practice. Those that was huge. Yeah. No, I'm just, yeah, yeah, I got a lot of huge ones. You know, he's like, what? No. <laughs> this guy's going to be traded later in the night because you you took care of the guys. You know, he took care of an agent. He took care of a guy, a video coordinator with the team. He's a myth. Do you think there's a lot of things guys are so, so – you know, it, it, we, we had a we had one of the local beat writers on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and we talked to him a lot about 
how difficult it is for a beat writer to be there every day, break stories, piss people off, and then have to, you know, get in the owner and the coach and the and the players' faces the day after. That never bothered you. <laughs> you had no problem with well, that. No, no. It, it bothered me to have to do it, but that's that's why I was successful. And everybody always said that. You know, we know that you will walk in that locker room the next day. And uh, you know, Roger Strickland said that to me you know, a couple of years ago. He said me told about how you know how he respected me so much because I would get on his case, but I'd always show up. And so I know that was important. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can hide behind the telephone, you know, and and uh, you know, and I, I don't know what people think of Walsh. I have no idea. I don't care. But uh, he's making a fortune. You know, ESPN. You know, he's giving them what they what they what they think they're getting. You know, they're like glorifying him. Like, oh man, bomb the ball! You get get the hell out of here. I I, I did a story with. Um, Oh man, was it the Ringer or something? I don't remember what. It was like uh, maybe two, three years ago, and um, I lost my train of thought trying to think of the guy who wrote it. But um, uh, let's leave it. Yeah, well, well, you know what? That's a good transition into, you know, who who do you respect that's out there now? Is there anybody that you say, you know what, that guy or, or lady is doing it right? Well, I, again, I'm not I'm not following it that closely, and I, I can't tell you I'm not keeping score. I just I, I, I know the Wooly thing just just happened, and I was just <laughs> and I was amused that you know nobody said. By the way, well, you know, you were a little bit off, like a hundred percent. I don't I don't know. I'm not you know I, I don't I don't like. I mean, obviously, you know what I think of the people on. TNT, they keep winning awards. Oh my God! I mean, I, who can watch that? I, obviously, a lot of people, but it's it's just again no content. The the guy, the president of, of the, the network, a guy named Levy, who's not there anymore. You know, I, I would go to these conferences, these tech conferences that the NBA would run. He'd get up there and he'd talk about all we're interested in is content. I, I, I laughed in his face. You don't have any content since I left that. Since I left TNT, they haven't broken one story on TV. I used to break one every every time I was on. I break a couple. So you know what I find hilarious about that group is when they uh, put them on the NCAA tournament oh, show, and it, and it's obvious they haven't watched a single freaking college basketball game all year. Yeah. Again, I I, I don't watch so much college, but. I'm certainly not going to listen to what they have to say, any of them, you know, including Kenny Smith, who wants to be a GM and a coach. And uh, there he is, still, still doing, you know, crap he's doing, figuring out stuff after it happens. Okay, good. None of us could have done that. <laughs> um, and and as, far as, as far as ESPN goes, you know, their shows, you know, every once in a while I will watch them because Mountain Arizona, I get up earlier. You know, I just, I just—it's amazing. It's amazing. It's just—it's—it's it's blither and blather. You know, there's—I think there's just such a thirst in society for information because, you know, we had your column. I used to look forward to reading Bob Ryan, and people oh, are, yeah, and that's where you knew the information was good. And 
and people are just looking for things and, and people know that. So that's why I think there is a, uh, you know, there's a business now where if you just throw shit out there for people to read, they just, you know, they'll, I guess it's that clickbait mentality. You throw a headline on there, people want to see it. And you're right. None of the sources are substantiated in most cases. And, um, you know, so, so people that have been, you know, that grew up with the Peter Vessies of the world, I think are looking for some direction on where they're going to get their information. Well, I don't know how many people that grew up on me are watching those shows. You know, they're, to me, they're, you're, you're, you're 50, or 52. You know, I, I, I would hope that the intelligence quotient of, of people over 12 are not, are not watching those shows. Right. That they, that, that they know better. And they certainly don't know about me, the, the younger ones. You know, it's when I, I get controversial sometimes on Twitter and they'll go like, who the fuck is this old man? You know? <laughs> they, go, they go right to ages, you know. It's like, <laughs> I get that too, but it's usually my daughters. <laughs> well, she doesn't get racial with you, does she? Uh, not too bad, no. <laughs> just, just, uh, just calls me old. So, so, yeah. um, Peter, do, do you, I know you still follow the NBA a little bit for sure. Yeah. T- tell me your thoughts on the Sixers. They're, they're an interesting team. They went all in on Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. Both are free agents. Uh, I know the team wants to sign them both. There's a lot of controversy out there, whether Houston is trying to do a sign and trade. Is this all tampering behind the scenes and what's going on? Um, you know, what's your perspective? I, I, I'll give you my honest opinion. I think that the ownership group of the Sixers is kind of a joke. They put Elton Brand in there with one year of G League experience. Um, I'm not sure he's making any of the decisions. What are some of your thoughts around what you know about the team, what their decisions are, and what they should be thinking about right now? All right. Well, let me let me just say, you know, you're doing your podcast. You tell me this is your honest opinion. Yeah. I'd get, I'd get rid of that honest. Yeah. We know. Yeah, because then we don't think anything else you say is honest. You know, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, I'll get rid of the word honest, and yeah, and I used it like for emphasis for sure. Anyway, so now I agree with you. Order. People say to tell you the truth, and it's yeah, what did you, you mean know, before that? So, so here you go. Yeah. My opinion is it's a joke. Yeah. So let me get yours. And you're talking, so I know it's your opinion. But but I I don't uh, know the owner. I, I I read about him a little bit. You know, he loves to be out there, and you know. Make everybody think that he's black, and you know he's he's a, he's a poor boy that uh, you know is a billionaire, and he's had a tough time. Whatever. I don't. He doesn't he doesn't interest me too much. But I. And then they fire the doctors at the end of the season because let me let me see because the players were injured. They fired the doctors, and then. Well, they've had some weird things go on with yeah, peanut allergies and diarrhea. Let me see on, on the doctor so right here. So, so Joel Joel indeed was injured coming into the All Star game. He plays in the All Star game. He does whatever the goddamn thing he wants to do. He plays in the All Star game. He's hurt. He doesn't play for how many weeks after the All Star game? Now whose fault is that? You know, but they're they're so they're so lame. They're so weak. They can't stand up to Joel Embiid. But who's running the franchise? Obviously Embiid is. He can do whatever he wants. He can yeah. be hurt, be out dancing, and be out bowling. It's, like, it's a joke. I don't care how good he is. It's a joke. So you know, if they don't, if they don't have anybody that can command some authority, uh, you know, command respect, uh, then they then they need to move on. I, I know Elton real well. 
I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know who made the decisions to, to get those two guys. I have no problem, you know, getting them. I think they gave up a lot for for uh, Tobias. If they don't, if they don't resign Tobias, you know, somebody's head should roll because man, you had to be. Yeah, you. There, there are there are conversations for. Yeah, I don't care what anybody, you know. Of course. Me, yeah. So you didn't have you didn't have him saying he was going to say you're going to give up what you gave him. That guard, that Landry. I, I loved him before he got out to, to the Clippers, and everyone discovered. I, yeah. I thought he was great. And um, so they gave up too much. So I, I mean, look, they'll they they can do what they want. They can resign them both. Jimmy Butler really showed how tough he is during the playoffs. You know, he had a great series at the end, and um, you know it's, it's imperative that they, they resign both of them. And I don't care what Houston's trying to do, or what people are reportedly saying. You know, Houston's doing uh, as far as tampering goes. You know, as Adam Silver reiterated what I've been saying for a year, a couple of years now. Um, they don't. They don't get the league doesn't get involved in tampering unless somebody complains to the league. A team complains. But you I think know, that's I my. Uh, but 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 I think that goes back to my previous question about about Woj and all this other stuff. You know, obviously this Houston story with the sign and trade and all the details and what they're trying to do and and different scenarios that's coming from somewhere, right? So don't you think well, that's Woj being leaked Woj by Daryl Morey? Woj is in bed with Morey. There's, there's no question. Yeah. There's no question. So, I again, they have to complain. The Sixers have to complain, and they have to have some a little bit of evidence before they complain. It's not just hearsay. It's not going to happen. I, I'm also the one that broke the uh, tampering story with uh, the Lakers and, and Paul George. That was my story. And I and I, um, I remember going on the L.A. stations the next day. The next day, and they're saying, you know, well, you you and Magic have a vendetta, and you know, this is. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> Did they tamper? Didn't they tamper? Let's forget about me and Magic. Did they tamper? Didn't they tamper? Wow. You know, you guys don't know, but but the Pacer press, Pacer owner Simon complained to the league, and what happened? They, it's true. It cost them five hundred thousand dollars, and that that Polinka who who, who got caught. You know, with emails that moron. You know, he still has a job. He cost the league. He cost the team five hundred thousand dollars. Then he, then he, then he's accused by Magic of you know stabbing him in the back. Uh, and I don't doubt it for a second because I heard that before before it came out. So he still has a job. What the Lakers are like? They're becoming as bad as the Knicks. The Killing Me Smalls podcast is sponsored by the Matt Black Kia Group. Matt Black Kia is right here in Tom's River or in Egg Harbor or in Glassboro. These guys are really, really good. But the guy you need to talk to over there is my dude, Kobe Fryer. Get fryered up. Kobe and I have been friends for over 38 years. And they have got the new Telluride and all kinds of great new models. You've got to check out the 250 plus pre-owned cars and trucks that they have. The great part about Kobe is even if you're not looking for a Kia, he can help you by being your car guy. That's your guy. And he can help you with other cars and tell you if you're getting a good deal or whatever you need to do. 
Any credit situation can be handled with ease. Give Kobe a call at 609-706-2101 or get in touch with me through the podcast and I will put you right in touch with Kobe. Do you have unused jewelry lying around that you want to sell? Cut out the middleman and go directly with Philadelphia's oldest and most trusted precious metal refinery, Garfield Refining. Garfield has been around for over 127 years and offers the highest payouts for gold, silver, platinum, and palladium jewelry. To start refining, visit GarfieldRefining.com or call 800-523-0968 to talk directly with a Garfield representative. That number again is 800-523-0968. New customers can use promo code 5th quarter to receive 50% off refining. Garfield Refining Company, offering the highest payments for your precious metals since 1982. Let me go rapid fire with you on a couple things because I know that I, I told you I wouldn't keep you too long. Dr. J was the best man in your wedding. That's a pretty cool story. Can I know that you were, you know, you go back to the days of the legendary Rucker Park and and you, right. you did some coaching there. Can you talk about your relationship with Julius, who is clearly one of my all-time idols? Yeah, I mean, he, he and I, I met him, I, 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 I did a story on him when he was in college at UMass, and so established a little bit of rapport. And then when he came out of Mass after his junior year, a friend of both of ours, a guy named Dave Brownville, um, he, I told him I was starting a team in the Rucker, and uh, could he get Julius? He said, uh, you know, yeah. And so both of them played on my first team, that was in 71, coming out of, so, so Julius, uh, you know, put on, started putting on shows because nobody had ever seen him dunk because it was illegal in college, even That's on right. the layup line. It was a technical on the layup line if he dunked. And, um, so, yeah, that's how we, that's how we got, got together. And, you know, you said I did a little coaching. I did a little playing on the team, my friend. You did? I didn't know you had some game. I know that yeah. you were a star pitcher at, in Lumberton, North Carolina, which you're always happy to talk about, but yeah, we can get into that in a second. But Julius, but Julius, uh, you know, our relationship just blossomed. You know, I was an ABA, you know, uh, advocate when nobody else was. I covered the Nets, you know, and I covered, and then and then I went to the Knicks in '73, '74, '73, '74, full time. But you know, that, so he knew he knew I cared about the league. I cared about him. Yeah, and we became very, very good friends, and uh, then we worked together at NBC later, and blah, blah, blah. So that's that's how that happened. And actually, the guy Brownville I mentioned, he was Julius's best man. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, so it was kind of a little tight circle there. A guy I had a but, relationship you know, with years ago is somebody that I know you did as well. The great Charlie Scott. Yeah, so so Charlie played on that rocket team with with Julius. You know, and he, he played the first year. Charlie didn't play past the first year. Um, and, yeah, I was tight with him from the Virginia Squires. And, and um, uh, so, you know, I have two, two Squires, one about to be, and, and, and Charlie, who was Rookie of the Year. And then and then we're on that next year. I think he led the league in scoring that year, too. So, anyway, I have those two guys as my two main guys. So, yeah, pretty good team. Well, and uh, yeah, I, I, Charlie, Charlie, uh, Charlie, and I go back a long way. Uh, so, what was your plus minus as a player? You remember your analytics? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I could shoot. Julius would say that. He said, I could shoot. 
Could you guard anybody? I tried. Yeah? You know, I talk about it all the time. I mean, I I guarded Earl Manigal for half a game. And, uh... That was that was interesting, and you know those. I write about it all the time, and hopefully in my book, all the stuff will be, uh, you know, written more about. Anyway, it's like I became friends with a lot of these guys. Radical and I became really good friends, and uh, so I, I cherish those days. I cherish. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have gotten to where I got without those days at the Rucker, for sure, or the ABA. So my loyal my my loyalty is definitely there. And uh, so anyway, so Lumber, let me tell you the Lumberton story because you know that's where where Jordan's dad got killed. It is, yeah. So I I uh, I was at Fort Bragg for about eighteen months. I was I was airborne. I was, I was Green Beret. And I was I was in, in Lumber and I was in Fort Bragg, Fayetteville, and uh, so they had they started up a semi-pro team, and uh, yeah, I did pitch. I pitched in, in, in you know in high school, and uh, you know I just I just thought you know, I, I had a really good arm, and I just I, I didn't know anything. I just figured I could go and could pitch. So I got down to Lumberton, and and you know. I, I, I didn't get out of the first or second inning. I think I got out of the first inning, but, you know, they just hammered me. I mean, <laughs> everything I threw, they just, like, blasted it. And, because uh, my arm wasn't in shape. I didn't know if I had to get your arm in shape. You know, I've been, I've been skipping stones at the river. I thought that was enough. But. It was the Charles Barkley workout. <laughs> just didn't know. And I never, I never played again. That was, you know, I had to try it with the Yankees. You know, Yankee Stadium. Oh, wow. I thought it was good. I thought it was good, and, uh, and I was bad. You know, speaking of baseball, I've got one final question for you. Our producer, Robbie Pito, has been drafted twice in the last four years, once by the Angels, once by the Rays, and he's going back for his uh, his final year at Stetson University. Throws about 97. He's 20 years old and wants to know your opinion, LeBron or Jordan? Well, I'm a Jordan guy. So to me, to me, there's no comparison. I know, I know how good LeBron is. I know how versatile he is. You know, I, I wrote something to myself just now because I'm, I'm trying to write my book, and I, I wrote something about him that I would have used in the book. And I, and I said he's an all-star at four positions, LeBron. He could be an all-star at four positions. Yeah. Now, you can't say that about too many people. So, but to me, Jordan knew no fear. He's not. He's not on the on the sideline biting his nails, you know, like LeBron. He's not. He's not. You know. Uh, he's not bringing a glass of Cabernet to a game. He's not playing. Well, that, you know, that, that's something else. But right. I, I, I just don't think. I don't think he had the uh, the onions. That, I know he doesn't, didn't have the onions that George had. And um, you know, a lot of him is uh, his foe. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Hey, as we wind up, can you tell us a little bit about your book and when uh, when it might be ready yeah. for us to check out? When, when, there's the operative word, <laughs> when. We'll stop doing podcasts and get to work and start writing that thing. I'm in the I'm in the middle of my Jordan chapters. I, you know, you, you read a book, and uh, I've never written one before, but I, I honestly have so much information, so many stories that I've never written. 
So I start I start writing. Yeah, I've done I've done stuff already. I've done very finished birds, finished the rucker, I finished, you know you know, a lot of a lot of personal stuff. But so I'm on Jordan and uh, I'm on my fourth chapter of Jordan. And 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 they're all exceedingly long. And there's a fifth and sixth chapter to follow because I'm actually organized with Jordan to know where I'm going. Problem is when I'm writing about it, all these stories come to mind and then I'm so I'm just like, you know, adding and adding and adding and adding. And my editor said to me the other day, he said, look, he said, this Jordan stuff, I mean, it's, it's great. He said, maybe we should just do a book on Jordan. So that could happen because I really, I break, I break some news in these chapters on Jordan and uh, great stories on personal stories. And uh, so we'll see. But I am, I'm going to really try to finish that fourth chapter today. Well, I, I hope I can get a copy of that. My, uh, our producer would like to ask you one final question as we wrap it up. Yeah. Hey, Peter, this is, uh, this is Robbie here. Um, I have one question for you. You know, as someone who is a uh, communications uh, major and is, you know, trying to get into, you know, the sports business, whether it's, you know, analyzing or, you know, talking on a TV show or, you know, whatever, writing, whatever it may be, uh, any advice from, from a great like you? Um, I, you don't have a lot of advice, but I thought you were going to be a pitcher first. Well, that, that's, that's the number one goal, but you know, can't do that forever. So got to have a backup plan. Right. Well, you're going to see your senior year. Uh, yeah, my senior year. Okay. So what you should be doing this summer is you should be interning somewhere. Number one, um, get in somewhere. I just, I'm just helping a, a friend of mine's son out here as a senior going to senior at Arizona State and uh, I believe I have him a job as an intern with the Suns for next year and you know it's like to me that's a fantasy job you're in that he's, he's, he's also in communications you know they got a great school out here in, in Arizona State and so somewhere you know ask him where do you, where do you live uh, I live here in New Jersey yeah I mean I would really Try to approach it late already, but try to. Well, you can't, but you go to school instead. So, um, so some somewhere. I mean, even this summer. I mean, you should try, try, try. ESPN. No, ESPN. I found out does not hire interns anymore because they got a lot of heat because they pay them, and God forbid they should pay them, so they don't have any interns anymore. Um, and I heard the ESPN network is the same thing. You gotta, you gotta get your foot in the door somewhere and work for nothing. It doesn't matter. You know, you want, you want to be watching and listening and you know, and, and uh, interacting and all that stuff. Well, he, but, he's starting off by doing that right with me here, so that's a good opportunity okay. to, to get know. going a little something anyway. No, and also, I mean, I tell everybody is, you know, read as much as you can, as much as you can, as many subjects as you can. You know, I'd be crazy to let you off the phone with. Uh, Without one last question, you mentioned the Suns and you live in Arizona. What was your impression of the whole Brian Colangelo burner scandal? I I, I got to hear your impression on that because it was about the craziest thing I've ever been around. Yeah, obviously you, you didn't subscribe to my column the last two years because I wrote a lot about that. You know, let me see if I can remember. You know, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, just had uh, um, 
dinner with um, with Brian and um, Barbara, his wife, in New York City. They're living they're living in Soho now. Oh wow! I don't know if you do that, but but um, I go back a long way with Brian before you know when he was just a kid before college. You know, I was out here and uh, you know I like Brian a lot. I like his wife a lot. I was actually hoping they would get divorced so I could start dating Barbara and get them back together. <laughs> but but um, I I uh, I think it, I think it all goes to his wife and his kid. Although his kid never got mentioned in it, but I believe he was they were living up in Toronto and he was living here. And they were separated at the time, and I believe he was you know telling his son everything that was going on. He might have been telling his wife everything going on, and she was. She was putting it out there, taking his side, and I think his. I'm guessing this. I'm, I'm thinking his son was doing it too, but you know, of course, taking up for his father, and uh, so he he got burned. He he got burned to the burner. Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm dying to know how it all happened and how. Uh, I know that Ben Dietrich at the Ringer said he got an anonymous tip from somebody who knew about it that that's going to make a great uh that's going to make a great story someday when that comes out well, I, think they, I think they told the story i think that guy who wrote the story i mean he had information it was incredible. well he never he never said where it came from i mean i think the interesting part is going to be was it yeah. a, a family member was it a, a friend of his a, a spurned colleague well it did it did come out that his wife admitted that she did yeah, I still think there's more to that. I meant, I meant who, who I'm, tips. I'm, I'm telling you, I think the other part was his son. So no, I, how, how, yeah. How somebody, how somebody got a hold of, figured it out. Yeah, that's the part I'm talking about. Uh, that's the thing that's going to be fascinating. You know, so many, so many people pretend they're your friends. And, uh, well, Peter, we're going to wrap it up right here. I, I really can't thank you enough. I, I probably could do this for another hour. I have so many questions for you and. It's great to hear you, and, and I can't wait to read your book. And uh, Tell us where we can subscribe to your column. No, I, I stopped. I oh, stopped. so we can't. Well, that's why I didn't do it. No, it's over now. Hey, it's only been over a couple months. Oh, okay. But I was doing it two years. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So uh, good luck in your careers, both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the best. Okay. Bye. Take care. Wow. Thank you to the great Peter Vesey and, uh, you know, Robbie. I know that. I know that that was pretty cool. He gave you some career advice, but man, the stories about Dr. J, Charles Barkley, uh, he doesn't like anybody in the journalism business, does he? No, it doesn't seem like he does. And uh, that was definitely especially cool, I know, for you, you know, growing up in that era. But for me, not knowing much about, you know, Charles Barkley and his weight problems and, you know, getting to hear those those background stories was uh, that was that was pretty, pretty special. But, you know, I'm somebody that uh, that really likes to read. And when you used to read a Peter Vesey column, man, that thing had meat to it. It was funny. It was witty. It was sarcastic. But, man, everything in there was was based on fact and knowledge. And you just don't get that today. And I don't blame him for not being a fan of some of these guys out there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I uh, hope you'll subscribe to the Killing Me Smalls podcast. It's on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Please give us a review and rate us. And we look forward to the next one. Thanks, everybody.